It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us on a sort of gloomy Thursday morning. Scott in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield as we get things started on our midday program. Just lots of stuff to talk about, as you would expect, and uh, we'll turn it over to Susan Littlefield to get things kicked off. Hey, thanks, Scott. It's another Thursday, which means Angler Journey Update hits us at 12.19. Then Shaley Peters will step in at 12.45 as she talks with Scott Strebner on Kansas Beef Council's Consumer Producer Portal that they announced. Then Chabella wraps everything up at 1.17, talking bison and COVID-19. It's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it as uh, we continue on with Jason Jorgensen and we look at the world of sports. Making some progress on this uh, front to get sports back. That's for yeah. sure. It's, it's it's amazing to see how things have really changed, especially with college sports, in a week. Mm. And they're even talking about, if they have games, how many people will get to go to the game. Right. Ohio State AD Gene Smith made some news yesterday, throwing out numbers of twenty to 30,000 people that could be at their stadium, which holds more than 105,000. Mm. So those are some of the things they're kicking around. Uh, I would not want the job in the NU ticket office if they have to try to decide oh which twenty to 30,000 Husker fans would get to be there at a home game. Wow. And, and just the financial impact that it's going to, obviously not just the football program, but the whole sports programs. But it's better than nothing. You're right. And, and who knows, maybe by the end of the summer we might be at a spot where they're talking... You know, 40,000. Right. It's half full. Right. But at least they're kicking around numbers. But, boy, that's that's not that's not a job I would want to no. decide who, who gets in there. Also, some good news from the NCAA yesterday. Uh, they ruled that voluntary workouts for football and men's and women's basketball can start the 1st of June. So it sounds like that's pretty much going forward. If it's not the 1st of June, that certainly could be shortly thereafter. In the end... Uh, when you get a declaration like that from the NCAA, it's up to the individual conferences on when all the conference schools can start. But I think we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Well, a lot of thinking outside of the box is going to have to take place, especially in some of those conferences like the Pac-10 or Pac-12, excuse me, that has so many difficult yep. discussions. Also, uh, NASCAR was NASCAR yes. last night with a late race and one driver letting the other driver know that he thought he was number one. So. <laughs> Good to see those guys are you know, All right. doing just, what they do. Just a good old boy. <laughs> so. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan, and uh, let's uh, take a look at stocks down just a little bit today. Stocks mixed and trading on Wall Street. Uh, they are uh, shaking off an early loss. Um, investors finding little to like in the latest buildup of tensions between the U.S. and China. Meanwhile, more than 2.4 million people applied for U.S. unemployment benefits last week in the latest wave of layoffs from the uh, virus outbreak. Sales of existing homes plunged 17.8% in April as the uh, virus continued to um, shove the housing market around. Drug maker AstraZeneca has, uh, AstraZeneca has secured the first agreements for 400 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine that is being trialed. Those are some of the things breaking today. AstraZeneca, you say. Okay. Ast- AstraZeneca, I believe. 
Time for us to check in on weather. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Take a look and see how the weather is doing, how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins steps in. And I I guess my first question for you, Paul, is that uh, my son's golf game has not been going very well lately. (laughs) And uh, he he was kind of hoping tonight his leagues was kind of hoping it would get rained (laughs) out. Uh, So there's that option. It looks like he's going to have a good chance to escape that scrutiny (laughs) there. All right. Well, that's good. I'll let him know that. But but a nice, uh, you know, we're kind of Kind of nice rain kind of passing through right now. Nothing too severe. Exactly. Really a a welcome rain. We needed the rain, and it's not coming in all in one big splash. So uh, a beneficial rain across the area. Starting to see already some sunshine in western Nebraska, northeast Colorado. But much of us from west central into eastern Nebraska and much of Kansas going to really remain in cloud cover for today as this rain continues to move through the region. Most of the rain right now from about O'Neill down to Grand Island. Then some moderate to heavier activity is from about Kearney to just southeast of Holdridge to around the, I guess you would call the Franklin area. Some lighter amounts of rain then from Grand Island to Hastings to Superior. Also some areas of rain in much of Kansas along in southeast of Alive from Superior down to Ellsworth, Kansas to Medicine Lodge and all of this rain kind of advancing it's slowly moving to these but it's also lifting to the north across the area so we are seeing some training of that rain as we see some uh, moisture continue to fall in the same area for a, an extended period of time temperatures for most of us in the upper 60s upper 50s to low 60s but as you had in advance of this rain into eastern nebraska and kansas those temperatures more so in the upper 60s to around 70 now rain and thunderstorms will continue to increase in coverage for today through tonight with an area of low pressure tracking across the southern plains. Severe weather, mainly over western Kansas on that potential, along and south of I-70 where the Storm Prediction Center does have a slight risk. Most of our rain totals expect to range about a half inch to an inch. And once again, that's today through tonight as those rain and thunderstorm chances continue. Some rain and thunderstorm chances will linger in the central and east for early tomorrow. In between systems, tomorrow and to most of Saturday, mainly dry with a warming trend. Saturday will feel very summer-like as we see highs soar into the 80s and also a notable increase in humidity. Thunderstorm chances increase late in the day Saturday into Saturday evening with the passing of low pressure and a cold front. We're getting that double whammy with those two systems. So the severe threat looking to increase, especially in Nebraska, if you're along in north of I-80, in central, west central, and northeast Nebraska, basically all the way from uh, Ogallala to York and points to the north is where we do have already a slight risk of severe storms in place from the Storm Prediction Center. And once again, that is late on Saturday into Saturday night, a pretty good bet of some severe weather. In behind that cold front, temperatures will be seasonal with occasional smaller thunderstorm chances late in the holiday weekend into much of early next week. In the long-term forecast, seasonal temperatures are forecast the middle of next week for Nebraska and Kansas. Nebraska temperatures, though, by next weekend through the 3rd of June, are likely to be warmer than normal while Kansas temperatures remain seasonal. Nebraska rainfall likely to be below normal for Tuesday through the 3rd of June, while Kansas rainfall should be near normal. In the newest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped 8 percentage points to 73% drought-free. It's just level 1 dryness right now, abnormal dryness along and south of a line from Imperial to McCook, Kearney, Grand Island, and just north of Omaha. So much of 
Southern Nebraska into much of eastern Nebraska in normal dryness. Kansas increased three percentage points to 48% drought free, so it's a slight improvement in Kansas. Now, many areas still abnormally dry in Kansas if you're along in west of the line, all the way from Seneca in the northeast to Ellsworth and Coldwater. If you're along in south of I 70 in western Kansas, moderate to severe drought. Extreme drought continues in a por- small portion of southwest Kansas towards Syracuse to Ulysses. Weather factors impacting the markets include wet weather for the central U.S. and limited rain for crop areas of Europe. The Midwest will see moderate to heavy rain continue through much of next week. Much of the recent rain has benefited emerging crops in the Midwest, but recent heavy rain in the eastern Midwest has led to delayed planting from very wet fields and flooding. In the northern plains, multiple rounds of rain through the weekend will keep soil saturated in the eastern areas where prevented planting is likely. The southern plains will have rain through the weekend. Central and eastern areas will have heavy amounts with the flood potential. Western areas will have some benefit, but improvement in the wheat crop is likely to be marginal due to extensive crop loss following drought and freeze damage. In Western Europe, dryness is leading to declines in wheat production, and rain will be very light over this next week. Uh, let's uh, let's certainly hope folks up in Michigan and stuff can kind of get a bit of a break here. They certainly yes, uh, the Midwest been very wet right as of late. Yes. Yep. All right. Very good. Well, we'll keep an eye on a bit of a transition day tomorrow, but uh, Saturday could be an interesting. One. Yeah, especially if you're along in north of I-80 and much of west central to eastern Nebraska, a pretty good severe threat coming up on Saturday. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTap KRVN.com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey Celebrating success, embracing failure And inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you Courage is really about taking a step Thanks so much for joining In this week's journey, we're learning about the pillar of courage In the Angler program Angler director Tom Field explains why courage was chosen well, courage is an interesting concept, and, and oftentimes we build it into to a space where if it's not some sort of epic, Herculean approach, we don't really view it as courage. And yet what our very early students understood, they knew that courage was something inherent in the start of every worthy venture. Because what happens in real life, we make a decision, I'm going to build to start, to change, to grow. And the first thing we encounter is that voice in our head that says, I don't know, maybe you can't do that. And it's that steady, consistent, dedicated courage to say, in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the resistance, I'm going to move forward. And that's something that I think is ingrained deep in the DNA of so many Nebraskans. I see it all over the state, people who just have that quiet, humble, hungry set of values that gives them the courage to move when others get stuck. And throughout the Angler program, Tom says there are countless examples of courage, both big leaps and small steps. We have a cadre of folks out who have chosen to take their entrepreneurial spirit into public education. Young people like Tony Rasmussen and Ashton Vivian and Kate Grimes and Sarah Wallenberg and Brianne Zimmer who have chosen to take entrepreneurship into the classroom at the high school level, which oftentimes is a bit of a disruptive way to 
teach and learn, and yet they have had the courage to confront long-standing traditions about how education should be done. And the last example um, is, a, is a young woman in our, who's an alum of our program named Morgan Cutlers. She has, has to rely on a, on a wheelchair for uh, transportation and movement. Uh, I have watched her over the years travel with us all across the country to Silicon Valley, to Denver, to Chicago. Um, I've, I've watched her take that motorized chair through the rain to make it to a meeting because she was so committed to being there. Her courage is infectious, and what I've watched is as this young woman has lived her life with courage, she's influenced so many other people. All of our other young entrepreneurs, uh, alums and students alike, are just drawn to Morgan, and I've watched people rally around her and her rally around them in ways that, that are just remarkable. And so for me, that's evidence that entrepreneurship doesn't care. It doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care how young you are. It doesn't care whether you're male or female, uh, whether you have been educated or not, whether you have lots of resources or you come from limited means. If that spark of entrepreneurship, that, that deep courage to create something is in place, it just doesn't know any bounds. And I think that's what's so exciting. You can learn more about the Pillars and the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network. Friday in the Fields is back with the farm team here on the Rural Radio Network, brought to you by First National Bank. We'll tag along near Henderson, Nebraska this year with Matthew Hebner. He's a producer that grows corn and soybeans in the area, and he's been experimenting with relay cropping. Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. I'm going to be going just up the road and around the corner to my neighbors, Tom and Devin Vidichka, just outside of Surprise, as we talk to this father-son duo about corn, beans, and seed corn. Hey there, Clay Patton, and I'm heading west to the UNL Research Station at North Platte. There we'll be following the actual and virtual fields of the 2020 TAP program. So be sure to tune in every Friday during the midday for Fridays in the Field, brought to you by First National Bank. If you miss it on air, don't worry. You can catch it as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com and also the video link as well to see what our farmers are up to. It's Fridays in the Field from the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Is Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith says he thinks football games can't be played in Ohio State this fall with anywhere from about twenty to 30,000 fans in attendance. Smith thinks that number of fans could be kept at a safe distance from one another in the stadium, which seats about 105,000. Obviously, significantly less fans than uh, what we are used to, I think, is possible. I just feel like we have the talent and skill and the, and the space capacity provide an opportunity for a certain number of fans to have access to our particular stadium. And, of course, that's, that wouldn't be true across the country because of, of capacity. Face masks and other precautions would be required to limit the spread of the virus. He says he still hasn't figured out yet how spectators would be chosen from among those who would want tickets. And the NCAA Division I Council has voted to lift a moratorium on voluntary workout by football and basketball players effective June 1st. 
The decision comes as a growing number of college leaders express confidence that fall sports will happen one way or another. Husker football program added a senior graduate transfer wide receiver for this season. South Dakota's Levi Falk announced on Twitter last night he plans to play his final year at Nebraska as a walk-on. Minnesota native caught nine passes for 85 yards in six games last fall. Now in 2018, he started at wide receiver for the Coyotes in nine of their 11 games. As a sophomore, the six foot two, 205-pounder holding 45 passes for almost 500 yards and a couple of touchdowns. UNK will have fewer athletic events this year. The MIAA announced this week football's maximum number of games will be 10. Men's and women's basketball's maximum will be 22 games. Volleyball will have just 20. Track and field gets 14 dates combined for indoor and outdoor. Now, the MIAA hopes to have schedules available to be approved by the middle of next month. And Denny Hamlin won NASCAR's first Wednesday race since 1984 when rain stopped the event with 20 laps remaining at Darlington Raceway. The Daytona 500 winner was out in front but out of fresh tires and was trying to hang on when he got some unintended help from Joe Gibbs racing teammate Kyle Busch. The reigning cup champion caused Chase Elliott to crash eight laps earlier to bring out the caution. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Due to concerns about COVID-19 and the safety of potential attendees, the Fillmore County Agricultural Society in Geneva voted Tuesday night to cancel all 2020 Fillmore County Fair entertainment activities. Fillmore County Ag Society Board Chairman Mark Becker says it was a tough decision to make, but it was the right one. He was asked about his comfort level with the decision. Well, I feel very comfortable. I mean, it's just that there's a lot of risk involved with the... With the exposing our communities and and that's the last thing we want to do is to bring uh bring the virus and spread it throughout our communities and and so um that's you know i'm i'm no regrets here whatsoever becker says fillmore county is not a hot spot for coronavirus but other nearby areas are we border up to Saline county which is you know, a real hot spot. And, you know, when we draw crowds for our concerts and our different activities, you know, that we draw people from a large area. So it, we just didn't feel right about doing it. The fair was set for July 8th through 13th. And Becker says decisions about 4-H and FFA activities associated with the fair will be made by June 1st and will be communicated. Becker says those components could be conducted by video, but nothing has been determined as of yet. The Ag Society says its goal going forward is to plan for a fantastic fair in 2021 with even more offerings. The Nebraska Optometric Association warns Nebraska eye care consumers of a recent scam selling a device that claims to give a full eye care assessment. Dr. Andrew Bateman, the president of NOA, details how consumers are contacted by the scam. You know, they go searching online for uh, glasses or contacts or things of that nature, and, and a lot of the companies will now say, well, you can actually just get your eye exam done here where you're trying to order your contacts from. Um, and again, that's even more dangerous because they're not even getting a chance to look at the contact lens on your eye during that process. Dr. Bateman added that incorrect sizing or prescription of contacts can lead to eye issues or damage. And to speak with your local health care provider regarding their current procedures to receive an eye exam. State prison officials have confirmed that three more Nebraska inmates at an Omaha work release center have tested positive for COVID-19. 
The Nebraska Department of Correctional Services said yesterday evening in a news release that, to date, seven men housed at the Omaha Community Correction Center have tested positive. Officials say no other inmates in any other facilities have tested positive for the virus. That news comes as the state's online coronavirus tracking site said six more COVID-19 deaths were recorded and 276 additional cases were confirmed on Wednesday. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Roll Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. The Kansas Beef Council is set to launch a new portal connecting consumers with producers. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, and we're going to visit today with Scott Stebner. He is the Director of Communications for the Kansas Beef Council. And, Scott, this is something that certainly right now uh, is a need, I think, and something you guys have been working really hard to put together. So I want to first just talk about what it is and what it looks like for producers and consumers. Great, and thank you again for having me. Uh, Kansas Beef Council, what we do is always shaped by data and what the data consumers are searching for, uh, their opinions, their viewpoints. Sometimes this is through careful market analysis and research through uh, focus groups or surveys, and sometimes it's something like conducting uh, Google audits through specific keyword searches. So what we've noticed is there has been a steady increase, especially the last two months, in consumers that are uh, looking to have community source beef or looking where to purchase beef online. And looking at the data, especially over the last 12 months, uh, we saw that there is an opportunity there to educate consumers in this front with fact-based, science-driven discussions uh, that help them, for those who want to purchase beef in this way and have the means to do it, connect with producers who are selling beef in this fashion. So the Kansas Beef Council is launching a Kansas beef producer listing that is going to be spread out through Google advertisements to get consumers to connect to producers who are selling beef direct. And as we visited ahead of time, of course, we're, we're in unique circumstances, which brought about a lot of this discussion to put a portal together for you guys. Uh, go into a little bit more, though, the why behind it, the inspiration, and what you're hoping to gain as you launch this. Yeah, in, in terms of the why, uh, once again, we want to be there for the consumer. Um, we want to give them fact-based information, and they're searching for how to purchase beef locally or online right now. And so that is a good opportunity to get them in front of this information. For example, they don't know how much freezer space they're going to need. They might not know the different types of cuts or really the processing aspects of it or any of those things. So we think it's a great opportunity to educate them. But also we know that producers in Kansas are also increasing their means of selling beef to consumers directly. And so we would we are truly ecstatic that we can connect consumers to our Kansas producers who are selling their beef in this way and be an asset to them. Okay, so let's break down then next what this looks like from the producer side and then what this looks like for the consumer, how their experience might be utilizing this resource. Great. So this resource is a free listing to any Kansas beef producer. Once again, it is absolutely free. All they need to do is go to our website, and if they go to kansasbeef.org and scroll to the bottom where it says reporting beef checkoff dollars, there will be a link that shows how they can be part of this Kansas Beef Producer listing. And essentially what it is is they're just going to fill out their contact information, their website, their social media accounts, 
And this is where consumers can click on and get in contact with these producers. We're going to have it broken down by county to really aid those consumers in, in finding someone near them or finding someone who supplies the beef in the manner that they wish. And then what we are going to do is, I know there have been uh, several other outlets out there trying to do the same thing in connecting producers to consumers, but we see a strategic advantage in really connecting with consumers who are actively searching on Google. When you go in through and you search on Google, that is a definite active um, strategy or active um, initiation in the process of purchasing beef. So we are going to go after, through Google Ads, Kansas consumers who are trying to purchase beef in this way. And we're going to get these producers in front of these consumers who are wanting to purchase community-sourced beef. And then also, as this is really just getting underway, uh, have you had much feedback or discussion uh, surrounding this project from either party? So right now, this is definitely a producer-focused, um, let me say, right now we are in the information collecting phase of this. So the consumer-facing aspect of this will launch in mid to late June. That's what we hope. Right now, we're trying to gather submissions to be in the listing so then that we can take those listings and get them in front of the consumer. It's been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, we've received some great messages, um, and people are looking forward to having this additional tool to market their beef. Um, and we cannot wait to get this in front of consumers as well. We know consumers are increasing their searches on Google and social media for locally sourced or community sourced beef and online beef purchases. And so we cannot wait to connect them with our Kansas beef producers who are doing their marketing in that way. And we talked a lot about this, Scott, that uh, this is a resource that you certainly want utilized well into the future. And so what does that look like for you guys? Great. And yet, exactly. We don't want this to be a, a short-term initiative. Uh, this is a long-term initiative. We've been chatting about it for a bit. And uh, we think the data um, supports the decision, not just for now during uh, these unprecedented times, but into the future. We hope that we don't just uh, continue educating consumers about how to purchase their beef, whether it is in the grocery store, buying a safe and delicious steak from the grocery store, or sourcing one online from a Kansas producer, or um, you know, via this new resource. We want to continue to be a fact-based, science-based, resource that continues to strive to build beef demand and connect consumers to producers. All right. Thanks so much, Scott Stebner. He's the director of communications for the Kansas Beef Council talking about their newly launched portal. We've got more information up at ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Bureau. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks were mixed in morning trading on Wall Street after shaking off an early loss. Investors found little to like in the latest buildup of tensions between the U.S. and China and more dismal news about fallout related to the coronavirus pandemic. The number of Americans thrown out of work since the virus struck climbed to nearly 39 million. More than 2.4 million people applied for U.S. unemployment benefits last week in the latest wave of layoffs from the viral outbreak that triggered widespread business shutdowns two months ago. Roughly 38.6 million people have now filed for jobless aid since the coronavirus forced millions of businesses to close their doors and shrink their workforces. The Labor Department says another 2.2 million people sought aid under a new federal program for self-employed contractor 
and gig workers who are now eligible for jobless aid for the first time. Sales of existing homes plunged 17.8% in April as the coronavirus pandemic continued to batter the housing market. The National Association of Realtors says the April decline pushed sales down to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.33 million units in April, the slowest pace since September 2011. Drug maker AstraZeneca has secured the first agreements for 400 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine that is being trialed. The Anglo-Swedish company reported it had received more than $1 billion from the U.S. Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority for the development, production, and delivery of the vaccine starting this fall. President Donald Trump will learn how ventilators are made during a visit to Michigan today. Trump will visit a repurposed Ford Motor Company plant near Detroit. Hovering over Trump's appearance is whether he will wear a face covering. Trump so far has refused to wear a face mask in public. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rose. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. Americans love to eat out. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average American household spends about 3000 a year dining out. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. COVID-19 has stopped dining out in its tracks, creating a chain reaction for the livestock industry. Dave Carter, executive director of the National Bison Association, explains how the bison sector is being affected. When the restaurants shut down, we lost the market for those high-value cuts, the strips, the ribeyes, the tenderloins that really comprise about 25% of the value of the animal, even though they're only about 9% of the carcass. And so even though the retail business has just boomed, that's primarily ground bison, which is about a third of the value. Rick Forpaw, a bison producer in Kimball, says much like the cattle industry, they need assistance. Prices in Buffalo bison have really come down over the last couple of years um, significantly. So I think we face all the same things that the cattle guys face, but the COVID really, really hasn't affected us yet. And I think it'll be a downstream effect. And, and where that's going to come in is, is the, the slaughter plants, the processing dates, and those kinds of things. Earlier in the month, the bison industry worked with eight Midwest senators and sent a letter to USDA to be included in the agricultural assistance package USDA was developing under the CARES Act. On May 19th, Sonny Purdue, Secretary of Ag, released the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, CFAP, but it didn't include the bison industry. We were very disappointed when the uh, package came out from USDA and bison producers were excluded from uh, eligibility for coverage. As we looked through that rule that was posted, it seems that the rationale that was used was that they providing assistance for commodities in which they had sufficient information that there was at least a 5% loss in value between January and March. The bison industry wasn't the only agriculture business left out. Carter says what they think happened was USDA has several reports for the beef industry, but for bison they have only one report they monitor. He notes the bison industry did do its own survey and explains where they found the losses. So we reached out and and interviewed folks all along the value chain, all the way from our commercial marketers down to cow-calf operators and folks that operate in the 
in the farmers markets and they really talked about the the impact uh, for animals 800 pounds and, and above is about $294, what's being lost in the, in the immediate term. Uh, the four weights to eight weights animals uh, really at about $252, and then the, the breeding herd out there about $210 in uh, lost value. Along with the money the industry is losing on the restaurant side is also the long-standing problem producers face with processing bison meat. For Pa says this has created a good and bad situation in the industry. The frightening part about it is for us that there's a limited number of places we can actually process bison. And of the three or four possible places to process animals in Denver, one of them just burned down. Um, and with our processing dates two, two and a half years out, the backlog is just, you know, from that burnt down is just going to be carried over to the other three. So, Carter says they are not giving up on assisting their producers just yet. What we're hoping uh, is the rule says that there's an additional $637 million that will be allocated to those commodities that weren't deemed eligible uh, if those commodities can provide market information on, on the impact. And, you know, we're, we're hoping that we will get a second bite of the apple For eligible farmers and ranchers who have suffered losses, USDA will begin accepting applications on Tuesday, May 26th. For more information, contact your local farm service agency. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzma. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. I'm talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, as we take here a closing look at the closing grains, you just brought up something very interesting before we went on air, and that's the price of oats versus the price of corn. How historical is the fact that we see some of these front-month oat contracts outpacing corn? First of all, the grain markets are slow. Some of you just find them things to look at and different spreads and love to compare prices of different goods because it kind of takes the commodity it takes the currency pressure out of it. It really focuses on the fundamentals. So um, I got data going back to the mid-70s, so I can't really speak to what happened before then. But for only five times we've we've had this happen, going back to the 80s, that um, that the front month price of corn has been under oath. So July right now did close. I think I didn't see the closing price on oath, but at one point, like five minutes before the close, it was about two under. The corn was two cents cheaper for July delivery than corn, now, or than oats. Now, obviously, there's a way to trade this. If corn comes back, it should steam. I mean, usually it trades a dollar premium to oats. Um, but right now, if you look at the deferred contract, say, you know, the uh, the December contract, it's 60 cents to the other way. So corn is 60 cents more expensive than oats. So it's kind of one of these interesting trades where it's like, oh, how can you play this? This is maybe a once in, you know, a two or three, four year move here. How do you participate in it? And it's, it's tough. It could be a time play where you lose some capital in the short run, but eventually we should see corn go up or oats go down, I think, at some point. Now, when we talk, we've been talking about currencies, and specifically we focused on those international rates. Argentina now starting to talk about having those defaults. That's been putting a lot of pressure on the peso. Does this look to actually help the U.S. products? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if they have defaults, that means people do business with them, aren't getting paid. Cost of doing business with them goes up. It'll either go up through price or it'll go up through interest rates. And if their interest rates are going to be hard, artificially set well, then you're going to have cost. And I think they're, you know, all of these this moves are going to have ramifications and it's all going to come at the same time. I just don't know what the snap move will be. You know, the ray eyes in the same mode, so is the ruble. And, um, you know, I've been kind of kind of trying to see what's going to happen in, in their country to turn the tide. And it might happen in our country 
you know, things are looking like we're opening up here. I, I economic activity is going to pick up. You're going to start to see better and better news um, and economic, of, you know, events happen in the next month, month and a half. And the question will be, what does the Fed do when commodities start to jump? Do they start to pull money out or not? And that's, but I think you got to be real careful with wheat. I think wheat's one of those markets that can really run here, especially on the Chicago side. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. That's available at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And that will wrap things up for a midday program here on KRVM. If you missed anything or want to rehear any of our interviews, you can listen to the Midday Podcast at krvn.com or by subscribing on Spotify or iTunes. Our Midday Podcast is brought to you by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.